Sometimes, but not usually, one of your favorite buddies from high school becomes an award-winning glassblower, and you meet up decades later and wind up talking about his cool career over a cup of joe. It's me with the remarkable Jim Wilbat. Hey, can you keep it down? We're trying to talk. <laughs> this is what I was thinking on the way here. Was chemistry class we met? Yes. And it was, because this is what I remember. And you we sat and me, in the back. We sat in the back at a black top table, so that's why I thought it was chemistry. Yeah. And we had, I forget his name, but he had the worst comb over ever. Remember he had black hair on the sides? And All then I it, remember is you. <laughs> and nobody else. I don't even know what the guy's name was. I don't remember his name, but he had these black, like, threads of hair across the top of his bald head. And I was like, I remember even then going, you're not fooling anybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. Shave it. Be ahead of the crowd. Oh, God. So, let's talk about, let's talk about glass, because having been to the studio, you know, I have, you gave me that little thing, it's like a kind of a bubble, like a mm -hmm. little, it's got a green, yeah. green glass inside. That was from something? That was a cutoff from one of my sculptures that I cut and polish, and I usually give it to the kids at the art fairs. Oh, that's nice. The last time I saw you, you had come back from Mexico, and that had given you the inspiration to do the Frida statue. I found by traveling, uh, inspiration comes at very unexpected times. And that's what I talk about a lot with other artists. Some search these things out. Other times, it's unconscious that something affects you. And I was looking at Diego Rivera's murals, his outdoor sculpture, his museum, and then I went to Frida Kahlo's uh, house and I was inspired through what she had gone through as, as a young woman through the bus accident, through meeting uh, Diego, her husband, uh, becoming a painter, injured, painting on her back for two years. I didn't know any of that. It's, I didn't either until I went to her house. And then I, I, I pulled up on uh, our subscription to Netflix or whatever and went through the movie of Frida Kahlo. Right. Is that Selma Hayek? Yes. Yeah, okay. And I mean, I just, I mean, everything came together and I go, I gotta do a sculpture of this woman. And for the past two years or whatever, I've been doing different free to bus and free to figures and, and all this, it, it, it kind of snowballed. Yeah. You know, well, so. there's something I think about her use of color. Oh, yeah. That, that really like trans, you know, transcends. It, it all spoke to me. Yeah. Because of the colors that she used and what I interpret and I just took off from that. Now, I would imagine that there's like, I mean, if you look at a box of Crayolas, and you know, the basic is like eight, and then the, you know, I think it gets up to like 96, how many colors of glass do you start with, and how many, can you make colors? Can you mix glass together to make your own colors? I was a chemist for a stained glass well, studio of we back, had chemistry. In, <laughs> back in 83. Really? 82. Uh, I worked for, there for six months. I was what they called the batch guy. 
Okay. So I made up 5,000 pounds of glass that went into five different furnaces at night. So then when I came in the morning, the crew basically ladled the glass colors out of the furnace, threw them up on a mixing table. We had a guy mix them up and then send them through rollers that were cooled with water on a flat sheet into an oven, or which is called a kneeler, and 45 minutes later, there was this glass sheet that's like oh. three by four feet. Of a color you had made up. Several colors, because we're mixing them. I mean, there were single colors, but it was Tiffany-style glass that was re being reproduced. Wow. What made it Tiffany-style? The coloring? The way they process the glass, the colors, and uh, the transparency of the colors. Wow. Have you seen the, the Tiffany glass at the museum in New York? No, but I did. I, oh, my God, you got to go. But in Chicago, they have one. Oh, well, then, okay. And some <laughs> of the glass that I produce are in there. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I've, I've talked to other craftsmen that said, yeah, we use that glass, and I was involved with making those. Wow. So do you have an opportunity, it sounds like, is it like a regular opportunity to talk to artists, or just randomly, like when you're at the shows, do you strike up conversations? Usually we meet after the show and commiserate about the weather, the food, the people, the customers. <laughs> Did you, you know. see that woman with yeah. the red hat? God, she was annoying. Yeah. There, there's a lot of uh, what we call art fair bingo, <laughs> which, is, which is people taking photographs oh. of people carrying lizards and rabbits and, and, <laughs> and cats and, and, I mean, all this array of pets, uh -huh. parrots, that you know. We, so then uh, you play like, okay, yeah, who's got like the a rabbit? Board. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. Because I know I've been to art shows where they have signs up that say, you know, do not take photographs. Photographs not permitted. There was a guy who did these really elaborate, like Japanese prints. I mean, they were stunningly beautiful, and I can imagine it took him, you know, maybe weeks to complete yeah. one. Yeah. So he didn't want somebody taking a picture and then like blowing it up and hanging it on their wall. He wanted them to pay the however much it was. Right. Do you don't have? Do you have signs like that? Do you want people taking no. pictures? Because nobody's going to run I don't home care. And, and you pull out their Easy Bake Oven and make their own glass. People say, what if they take it and they take it over to another country and have it done? And I said, if they can do it cheaper and better than me, I'll buy it from them. <laughs> I mean, my, my stuff's too work intensive. Yeah. I mean, sure, somebody might be able to knock something off. Yeah. But it's never going to be mine. How long does it take you to make? Or what's, what's your most standard piece? Paperweights? Paperweights. And they're like six, seven inches high? No, they're, they're maybe three inches tall, three inches oh, wide. Oh, the little ones. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. Right. And what is, tell me, like, how do you make a paperweight? I make uh, colors a day ahead of time into... Now, when you say you make the colors ahead well, of time... Well, what I'm doing is I'm prepping the colors, which is I put colors in an oven, I heat it up, I pick those up, and I manipulate them, whether I'm blowing, twisting, pulling, whatever I have to do to get the idea or the colors that I need. Yeah. So, do you, 
when you start with just the raw material, do you know where you're going? Or is it like you kind of sometimes... When somebody starts blowing glass or starting to learn, 99% yeah. of the time they're making mistakes that turn out nice. Okay. After 42 years of blowing glass, yeah. I have carved that down to about 95% of the time I know exactly what I'm doing and how it's going to turn out. So when somebody comes into my booth or looks at my art, somebody will point to a $3,000 sculpture and said, how long did it take you to do that? Because I think they're trying to calculate how much they're paying me per hour to do that. Or they're just curious because it's elaborate, right? So I go, but Yeah, okay. <laughs> the running joke is 42 years and an hour. And they look at me like, I said, you just don't walk into a studio and pick up a blowpipe wow. and start doing this. Yeah. I said, it's taken me a lot of difficult times, experiments, research, design, to get to the point. I said, if you want to come to my studio, I'll show you a whole shelf of things that I want to throw away because they're broke and cracked or didn't turn out the way I wanted. Right. But you don't because... I, I've got quality, you know, yeah. that yeah. I want to show everybody. Do you still have, like, happy accidents? Do you oh, yeah. still get surprised Yeah, by because I'm, I'm always pushing the material. I'm always trying something a little different. A lot of times when I'm driving to art shows that could be three hours down the road, could be eight hours down the road, I'm constantly thinking about what happens, especially when I sell a big piece. I go, okay, what's my inspiration? What colors am I going to use? Is it going to be different? How am I going to change things? Whether it's the hair, the face, the body, the skirt, whatever I'm doing, I'm always trying to think, what could I improve? Not for my customers, for me. Right. Because I don't want to be in the same situation of doing Okay, you got to turn out three blue vases, and they got to have a orange lip wrap, and it's got to look like this. Yeah. You know. Well, because that's that's way too mechanical. That's way too like yeah. you know, working in a factory. Well, I worked in a production studio for six months in Ohio. Yeah. And the owner of the studio said, "You can blow glass anytime you want during the weekends," and I thought encouraging to me to do that yeah but after five days of work and eight days of uh, five, eight hours a day five right. days a week it's the last thing I wanted to do so you worked in a cut you did you were a color chemist yeah and then you worked in production production was were these all like steps to to doing it yourself it's one of those things that I thought I'll use any excuse to do a job that might help me in the oh, okay. future. So it wasn't at all random. It was very, no. yeah. very premeditated. Yeah, very much so. Okay. I mean, I worked in a steel factory for two weeks. And what was what did that serve? I learned how to weld. Do you weld your glass? No, but I use, I build all my own equipment. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> But here's the thing, the yeah. reason why I do that is because if it ever breaks, I know how to fix it. Don't you find it's all fascinating? My whole life I've just said, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, do you have a favorite 
thing of like when you go into the studio and you know you got to like some things more than others or is it all just wonderful or is there that one moment where you go I've waited all day for this well I got to give credit to my wife who runs my business she basically goes go to the studio and make art go to the art fair and sell yeah okay so she does all the taxes. So you taxes. have to do the stuff you really I'm, hate. <laughs> I can't do that. After all these years, I can't do it. I, I'm not good at computers. When, when my wife got me an iPhone to do oh God. the credit card readers, yeah. my kids looked at her and, oh. and said, there's no way he's going to be able to figure this out. Oh, man. <laughs> they give you no credit. But, well, you but, mastered okay. it. but you mastered it, didn't you? Well, that's, <laughs> not always. I'm always calling home, honey, I think I did something wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, she gives me a list of things that I need to do. Yeah. Because I take special orders in and we have some gallery work and stuff like that. <clears throat> so her list has to match up to if I have any assistants in the studio that come in and help me, what the condition of the glass is, and what I have for colors to kind of match up with her list of things to do versus wow. what happens in the studio. I mean, the studio has its own little energy of sometimes when I walk in, it's not what I want. So I have to punt. I figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah. If the glass is not pure and clear, I make glasses because I cover it up with a lot of uh, color. Wow. You know, if yeah. the glass is beautiful, I go, and I'm working by myself, I go, time to make paperweights. If I have people there to help me, I go, good, I get to make bigger stuff. So it's all, you know, scheduled to a point. Yeah. Do you have, uh, one thing that I noticed right away from when, you, when I very first started seeing the work you were doing is, you have a lot of stuff with faces yeah. and I really love that because I also have a tendency to like put faces on everything or you know collect faces things with faces where I mean with that there's a lot of whimsy in it here's the thing that happened okay. that's stuck in my mind okay and I tell the stories to a lot of people uh, for a long time all I was making was vessels and uh, small sculptures, uh, paperweights and stuff. I made this one particular vase. I knocked it off of the uh, punny rod after what's finishing the, it, which that? is a steel rod that helps me. Oh, that you put it in the oven yeah. and turn, right? Okay. So after I got done, I knocked it off. It didn't knock off the way I planned and the bottom wasn't flat. So when I got it out of the oven, I put that vase upside down yeah. So it wouldn't teeter and fall over. Yeah. And I didn't get to it for about a month to finish it off. And as I pass it every day, I looked at it and said, you know, if I do certain things to it, I can make a face out of this. <laughs> and that's when it all happened. Yeah. <laughs> happy mistakes. Yeah, but it's, they're, they're so, 
for glass, considering that it's just glass, it still has so much personality. Like even though it's just a couple of globs for eyes and a glob for the mouth, I mean it somehow really conveys like like a, a spirit. Those sculptures and faces are to make people happy because they make me happy. Uh, when people come in, they're always smiling. Sure. How do you look at a How do you look at a glass vase right. with a face on it and not smile? I mean, sometimes <laughs> I get negative comments. Oh God, really? Yeah. I mean, one guy with his wife walked by and said, "How would you like to wake up looking at that piece every morning?" <laughs> Did she and, say and I felt like turning around going, yeah, what do you think she does when exactly, she sees you? Right. You know, I mean, but wow. you know, I, I've got very thick skin. Yeah. I'm very comfortable doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So people's comments don't really affect me unless they go, this is beautiful, this is the best thing I've had. Yeah. It encourages me. And then even more when they purchase the pieces. Well, because yeah. I know those pieces are being bought by somebody that really likes my work. Yeah. And it's not it's usually not the first or the last piece that they ever buy from me. Oh. So there's a relationship. Yeah. I mean I have clients all over the country that say, if you're ever in town next year, why don't you stay with us? Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Or let's go out for dinner. Nice. Yeah. So let me ask you this, speaking of, you know, that, that you have a thick skin, have you always? No, you build that up. All right, so how did you build it up? By listening to people and then getting to a point where you just go, you know, you can't please everybody. Do you think it's a, a matter, a function of age, or do you think it's a function of, like, just retraining yourself? On my part, it's just as one goes through the art fairs, this is what happens to people because they don't think... People that walk by your booth sometimes don't think that you're listening. Oh, okay. So it's just like you've learned to expect that a certain percentage of people are going to be miserable. Right, but yeah. the, here's the thing. As artists out on the street, you're constantly educating everybody or have the opportunity to educate everybody that comes into that booth of yours. And you've got about 10 seconds to talk to them. And you have to make that judgment. Now I've been at shows where I'm sitting away from my booth and relatives come up or friends come up and talk to me and they said, if you need to go in and talk to somebody, just get out of your chair or go in and walk. So I'll be there and I'm having conversation and, and friends, relatives turn around and go, I think somebody wants to buy something. I go, no, not yet. And they go, no, no. I said, no, and I'll wait. And until they pick something up, then do I go in and talk to them. Yeah. And then nine times out of ten, I make that, make that transition. People come out. I come back out and talk to them. And they say, how do you know that? I go, 30 years I've been doing this. I know when to go in. Wow. So you love doing the art fairs? It's getting to be a little... Old. More dicey, <laughs> yeah. Because it sounds like there's a, there's almost an art to working the art fairs. Oh yeah. Right. That's very interesting. Yeah. Wow. And I love the idea that everybody gets together afterwards to compare notes because that has to, especially when you're starting out, that must have helped a lot. It, I was uh, mentored by other people, especially glass artists, that I befriended. 
and I pulled information out of them and saying, you know, you've been doing this for 10 years. And they used to tell me stories. Yeah. And I always accumulated those things and put them in the file. Yeah. And, and learned to go, okay, you know, this guy's done this, this person's done this, this woman's done this. And I take all that information and I kind of use it. Yeah. It's kind of like still going to school. I mean, when we were, when I was in art school, we used to have workshops where somebody from outside would come in, and so you're constantly talking to them. Sometimes they would bring their students in, so you're you're constantly interacting, and so that that camaraderie in college also transfers to the art fairs because we're here by ourselves. Most of us work in our studio and don't talk to anybody. So we're constantly out making friends, Yeah, you know, just out on the art circuit. Yeah, it's like the flip side of the isolation of creating the art, then when you're right. out there, yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. So I know we've talked before about, like, you know, that you were in school and you took a lot of art classes and then you went off to art, but at what point did you decide that glass was like your medium? Because that's a very, un I would have to say, I think it's kind of an unusual art. Most people that pursue art, it's generally some sort of a mixed medium. It's generally, you know, more painting than anything else, or photography. Let's, let's go back to high school. Okay, no, wait, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> not for money. Sophomore year, uh, I had freshman, sophomore year in art school, in high school, with female teachers. They were great. All I heard from across the hall was Mr. Felsing yelling at people. And I go, wow. all right, I want art, I'll have to take his class. And those two years, he kind of took me by the collar, kicked me in the butt and said, don't waste my time. Either work or get out. Wow. I went to school, I went to college because of him. I wanted to be an art teacher because of him. Oh, so you wanted to be an art teacher? Yeah, I went to Illinois State to be a high school art teacher. God, can you imagine though now, had you no. been an art teacher in high school? Boys sometimes, and girls, boys and girls. Sometimes I wish. <laughs> so my senior year, a friend of mine, Sid Hutter, who's now a pretty famous glass artist up in Boston, came through the ceramics department because I was all about clay. Oh, yeah. And he goes, quit playing in mud and try something a little different. And I looked at him, I go, Sid, you're colorblind and you blow glass left-handed. I said, if you can do this, so can I. <laughs> the next year, I took glass and I dropped everything else and said, I'm going to find a grad school to go to, and this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life if I can help it. Are you still in touch with him? Oh, yeah, I see him at SOFA all the time, which is a big... SOFA? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a big Navy Pier in Chicago show, international show. Oh, okay. So I, as I greet him, I go, I don't know if I should kiss you uh, or punch you wow. for leading me on to this. So he just plugged you in, and that was all it took? Yeah. 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 Because when you were a little kid, were you into art? Were you always I, into art? My mom and dad uh, gave me lessons in music, 
Uh, I was a swimmer at a very young age. They let me do anything or encouraged me to do anything. Right. And one of the things my mom did was, you're going to go take a drawing and water class wow. at a semi-private studio. I go, okay. And how old were you then? Twelve. Wow. Because most parents, they pursue sports or music yeah. for their kids. but. You know, it, the art element of it, the like actual learning how to draw or watercolor or paint or, or sculpt or anything, like that's, that's also unusual. What people need to figure out, whether you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a chemist, whatever, you have to be able to think outside the box. Yeah. Art does that. Yeah. So your parents were thinking, because I also, I completely get the value of like, you know, you expand your and that's kids' all they horizons, to do. and that way they have more of an experience and they can gravitate towards right. the things that interest them. Whether right? they knew it or not, they were broadening my horizons wow. because they didn't know what was going to happen to me or my brothers. I mean, everybody takes... What did your brothers wind up doing? Uh, my brother... Uh, who's now retired, wound up as a forensic accountant for, the, uh, for San Diego County. Forensic accountant? Yeah, when people are taking money or their budgets are being looked through, he finds mistakes and finds out if people are doing it on purpose. Oh my God, okay, yeah, yeah all right. Uh, my brother, uh, Robert, uh, just under me, is a landscape architect in the northern suburbs of Chicago. And uh, my brother Tom, which is the youngest, works for the EMA in Chicago as an IT person. Oh, okay. So, I mean, Bob and I are creative. Yeah. Uh, my two other brothers are very... Right brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I think you got the, the better deal. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. I'm an accountant. I always say to people, you know, I can't do numbers at all. This is why I'm not an accountant. Yeah. You know, I just like, I just can't do it. Man, that's great. Pretty fabulous. Well, I mean, I've had a great life. You have had, not good, man. You've yeah. had a great life so far. I mean. Do you think, is this a thing that you would ever retire from? I mean, that you would ever like... Physically. Physically, eventually. Yeah. Like when you're like 95 maybe, 98. You're I, like, it's getting a little hard. I keep on going every year one more year. Well, you're year, still relatively really young. I just yeah. want to say that. Right. I know that when we were in high school, we didn't think that where we are right. now was very yeah. young. <laughs> yeah. I mean, financially, you go, what was I thinking? But you know, you've been able to keep food on the table and a roof over your head. Really, I think what it comes down to is, if you can pay your bills, you are so golden, Yeah. right? Yeah. Like really, you, do you need like a bunch of extra money? You have a bunch of extra money, then you're always like chasing something As else. you get older, you think, I could have done this, I could have done that. Yeah. But then I wouldn't have the fun oh, yeah. or the life I had. Yeah, and think of all the people whose lives you made a little nicer because oh, there's something of, you know, that That's a nice created. thought. That's a lovely yeah. thought. <laughs> <laughs> wow, well, it was uh, so nice to see you. So much fun. And did you think when we were sitting next to each other in chemistry? No well, Let's idea. get back together no. 40 years. <laughs> Thank yeah. God for Kara because you wouldn't right. even be on Facebook. Yeah. So yeah, I gotta credit her for like making sure we stayed in touch. Thanks, oh, girl. Yeah. You know, oh, right. Absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, I would just be sitting there going, 
Yeah, whatever, whatever happened, happened to Wilbur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know. If you want to know more about Jim or see what he's doing, go to willbatglass.com. And while you're online, feel free to subscribe to the It's Me, Cindy podcast, where sometimes it's me with someone fun and interesting, and sometimes it's just me, Cindy, wanting us all to get the best out of life. What kind of friend would I be if I didn't offer?